you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Sweet. This is uh this is fun, Grange. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Well, welcome to the Take and Read Podcast. This is Pastor Chad with my ever so favorite guest, Granger Smith. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I won't tell Parker you said that. <laughs> That's true. Don't hopefully he doesn't listen to these, right? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Thank you. It's good. To, it's good to see you. I feel like um, I feel like you're down the street from me, even though you're much, much farther than that. We're we're a lot closer to what we originally started at. When I first was a guest on your podcast, I had mentioned because you had described your podcast as just a couple of guys sitting around a campfire talking about life. Like I feel like. We're getting closer to that because there's going to be a day, even though we're we're not in the same studio today, that you're going to be here in my backyard in Montana. There will be a campfire, and we will get to have that conversation. I can't wait. We should go. Yeah, we wait. should definitely podcast around a campfire sometime. So uh, it's yeah, it's been a few been a few weeks months since we had you on the podcast. Uh, what just give us a quick update are you still brushing your teeth before coffee are you still <laughs> what's going on in your world i am that that one part of my routine has not changed um <laughs> that's good <laughs> so yeah i uh, i'm still in the mcshane plan uh still reading i believe i'm in uh just started joshua today actually okay um, in the, the late Psalms, I'm in the late, uh, Isaiah and I'm in early Matthew. So you and I oh. both do that same plan, but I'm embarrassed to tell you because you'll know how far behind I am in the, cha- in the plan. I'm in numbers still, so you can. No, I, it doesn't matter because I, I don't start at January one. Okay. Well, for those and who for are tracking. I, you know yeah. where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in your time in the Word, what's what's God been teaching you in this season? Well, I've been. Uh, I guess I could say this on this podcast because this is a this is a safe place. All the listeners here is it's a safe place. That's right. But uh, I I I have been in just a. As you know, Chad, a long season of uh, really d- in defense of the Trinity mm. and against uh, against pretty much every other religion is going to take yeah. away from the divinity of Christ. And that's, that's, right. that's usually the biggest mark. The biggest mark against Christianity is it's either saved by grace or the divinity of Christ. I see those two things as, is it. And, um, and so as I read, I, there's a little piece of my brain in the back of my mind that's always kind of scanning for those things mm. in the text. And I'm talking from Genesis to Revelation to see those. 
and um, and just right before I got on this podcast, that was that was the message I got. I've been um, going back and forth with with a with somebody. I'll just put it that way, and she's she seems to be a great uh, woman, um, but she's has some serious problems with so, the Trinity. And what you're alluding to is the reality that through the different uh, platforms in which you right now speak and engage, there are response opportunities that people have. And so they engage you, whether it's through social media, email, and they're either asking questions or they're trying to get you to consider a new perspective or they want to engage in conversation. So this is what you're referencing. Yes. And, and I just want to say for anyone that's listening, our best defense always is the Bible itself. Amen. It does. It doesn't need. It's like we've heard heard it said before. You don't need to defend it. You just open the cage mm-hmm. and the lion comes out. Yeah. It's all here in the Word. We we sometimes kind of feel the tendency to want to Google and go to YouTube and try to really put together some outside sources. Maybe I need to find right. a book on the, an outside source of this. But really, we find it all right here in the Bible. Amen. I was. Uh... I'm teaching, I get to teach a class in this season of life at a college class, and it's an intro class for those that are just kind of starting college, and it's at a Christian college, so it's, we're talking about theology. And one of the conversations we were just having uh, recently was how we, we have this incredible privilege in this time and age that we're born in to have the Word to have it readily accessible and that it's now stood the test of time. Mm. When you think about the first century church, 20, 30, 40 years after Christ had ascended, they had the Old Testament scriptures, which had now been, I guess, light had been shed on them because of Christ. Like they now understood a lot of what the Old Testament was referring to and what God was up to in that re- section of Revelation, in the revelation of himself. But then you had the teaching of the apostles, and that was an oral tradition thing. They would start to write, they would start to send these letters out, but then you had a bunch of a bunch of scammers. You had a bunch of people trying to grab power, trying to kind of push their agenda so they would fake letters that they that they were from apostles or they would try to kind of, you know, steer this early church community, these early Christians away from the the pure teachings of Christ. And it happened to be to your point primarily about who Christ was. And so you have a lot of these uh, councils that would meet within the first two, three hundred years of the church. There would be would be creeds that would start to kind of be codified and repeated in the gatherings of the worshipers. So you've got the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, other creeds that would emerge because they needed a way to formalize and kind of mobilize a very simple, condensed message of who Jesus is, what we believe about God, Jesus, and humanity and sin. But all of these early heresies, the Ebionites, the Arians, all these heresies were about who is Jesus, either taking away from his, his divinity or taking away from his humanity. There were always these 
trying to depart from who he revealed himself to be in relation to God and man. And it's fascinating. So what you're talking about is is not new. It's it's Still the enemy's relevant. tactic. Yeah, it's the enemy's tactic since the beginning. Exactly. That I, you said it right. It's it's like if you take a 30,000 foot view of of Christianity, you could see that Satan's biggest attack is going to be on who Christ is. Mm. Because that that is he is the one that has come to reconcile us. And Amen. so that that is the target. That's the target point. So if he could just twist it just a little bit, and like you said, twist the humanity side or to or, or decrease the divinity of him. Mm-hmm. And and then knowing that from the thirty thousand foot perspective, you could then look at all the other world religions and go, Yeah, there's a twist there, there's the twist mm-hmm. there, there's a little twist there. And it all has to it all revolves around him. It's very fascinating. But if you look at it that from that yeah. perspective, you can go, there's the target. And one of the things that I find with the people that I interact with that are Christians that love the Lord, it's it's not usually a, an intentional departure. I mean, there's definitely going to be those people like you engage with that have a very distinct agenda and have a very uh, severe misunderstanding of what has been revealed about Christ. And now they're convinced their their tweak or their perversion is the right understanding. But a lot of what I run into, and I've got to be careful in my own heart, is if I'm not regularly engaged with how who Christ is as revealed in his word, I will tweak and just minimize or cut some corners or make Christ into my version of what I'd like him to be like as it as he can accommodate my sinful habits and thoughts and agenda or perspective or attitudes. So I'm always, I think, such a good reminder that the Lord's giving you or through giving me through you today is, man, be careful if you start to tweak or water down who Jesus is mm. in any way. Love that. Love it. Uh, how are how are the kids? How how's the fam? Everybody's doing good. The um, London, my daughter has started volleyball. Yeah, at, at her school, which is, I, I grew up with uh, brothers. Don't know anything about volleyball, but it's pretty intense. <laughs> like fifth grade <laughs> yeah. volleyball is pretty intense. Amen. Uh, so yeah, that's fun. Lincoln's about to start. Um, flag football and Maverick is about to start walking. So they all have these little milestones. Yeah. Some big, some big adventures. Yeah. My daughter's, uh, we, so this is probably the first time that we've podcasted together since my transition to Montana. Yes. And we're still getting settled in, but, uh, it's just cool to see the way that sports and activities become a, an immediate, uh, avenue through for friendship. And, uh, so my daughter's playing volleyball as well and, uh, just plugging into that team and and loves that sport. Truett's playing soccer. He, uh, he's played soccer one other time as a, when he was a lot younger and he, in his mind, it was just a bunch of running around. He had no clue what was happening. And I don't know that much has changed. I think that's still probably true for him. (laughs) And he's in high school now. Uh, 
And Titus is, uh, he's just looking to chill this fall. He's looking to just kind of take it all in. But we've been outside okay. playing catch a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. But it's just interesting when you move. It's, uh, you know, I remember engaging with some of your questions on your podcast and how frequently it has to do with, hey, I moved to a new town, I moved to a new area, I'm looking for friends, I'm looking for community. And I yes. just I just want to brag on the church community here. We left a very uh, solid group of friends and a solid church family. And so, you know, the, the, the fear is, are, are we going to ever have that again? And it's just amazing the way, the way the Lord works, the way the Lord knits people together, because we're, we're plugging into this new church family, and it's just been so welcoming. It's just such a good fit. And we've just seen tremendous outpouring of excitement and love, and we just feel like, yeah, so welcome. And that, it, although it doesn't feel like home yet, I don't think that's far away. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And that, that's but, a testament to any really, I would say that first stop is, mm-hmm. is the church. If you're really, let me put it this way. Um, we went to a few weeks ago, we went to Detroit and we had a yeah. Sunday in Detroit and I, I was going to be there around on the Sunday evening. I looked on the internet and I found a 7 PM service of a Bible teaching church. I think, okay, I'll go to this 7 p.m. service. So I got an Uber and I got dropped off in downtown Detroit at the place where the church was on the map. And there was a line of people. And so I kind of got in line and I went up to this lady and she said, cover charge. And I said, for what? And she goes, what do you mean for what? This is the place where people dance. And I was like, oh, I think think I'm in the wrong spot. (laughs) And so I went around the corner. And when I went around the corner, I saw some people with the church t-shirts on. And okay. immediately they were like, welcome friend. Are you looking for the church? Here we are. What's your name? They're just so friendly. And then I walked inside and they, immediately people came up to me and said, are you new? Hi, I'm so-and-so. Great to meet you. And I just thought there's, I just made friends in about 30 seconds mm-hmm. just by walking to this church. That's, it's interesting too. You, you could look at the parable or the, the example that you experienced you went to one place extremely focused on self and world and whatever. <laughs> right. And there's a cover charge like, Hey, we need something <laughs> from you first. Then you go yeah. around the corner and you show up and here's a bunch of believers going, we don't need anything. Just come on in, come as you are. We got you. Welcome. <laughs> that crazy? That's that just, is crazy. That's a beautiful parable. Hey, that right there will preach. Next time yeah. you're up, you need to tell that story. It's a good idea. That's good. Well, uh, we're, we've come together here to take and read the Word of God, which we've been bragging on and talking about. So let's, uh, let's do that. I'm, I, I'm excited because we're, we're getting close. This is uh, episode 46. So we're getting close to a year anniversary. Mm. Um, I guess 52 would be the one year anniversary because there's 52 weeks and this comes out every week. So we're getting close. Um, and so we've only made it, uh, to chapter 10 in the gospel of Mark. We've been trudging through the gospel of Mark. We're just 
kind of now uh, a chapter over kind of halfway. And uh, so who knows, this may be a year and a half in the, in the gospel mark, which, Hey, I'm having fun. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad to have you here uh, today. What we've kind of traversed in, in recent weeks is since Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ in chapter eight, uh, you're now seeing that he is starting to reshape their understanding of Messiah and kingdom. Uh, that there is one of the biggest things that, that we see Jesus doing through his teaching that would also be true of the recipients of Mark's gospel originally would have been a reshaping of some of their paradigms. Their paradigm about uh, the kingdom of God, their paradigm about what the Messiah was coming to do and, and what he was coming to accomplish. Uh, in John's gospel, chapter 21, there was this, uh, Jesus is, after he's ascended, not a spoiler alert, like Jesus, he does actually rise from the dead. But anyway, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But one of the conversations he's having on the road to Emmaus, there's two disciples that are talking. And what they articulate is they're so kind of frustrated is because they thought that Jesus was coming to restore Israel to a to a level that they had had in their imagination. And so there was this anticipation or expectation of here's what the Messiah means and what he's going to do. And so some of what Jesus is teaching does now is now that they've understood I am the Christ, I now need to help them understand what that means. And he's predicting his own death and they're like, wait, what? That doesn't, that doesn't compute. He's, he's talking about the idea of servant leadership of the son of man came to die. Like, what do we do with that? And so he's, he's beginning to kind of reshape understanding. So that's, that's where we find ourselves as we're entering into chapter 10. Um, and I'm trying to, to think if there's anything else that's pertinent here. We'll be in chapter 10, verses 1 through 12 today. I'm reading out of the ESV. What uh, translation you got, brother? Same one. Okay. All righty. So we are in chapter 10 of the Gospel of Mark. We are going to be in verses 1 uh, through 12. Actually, we didn't get a chance to pray before we started. You mind if we just pray really quick? Let's, yes, let's do that. All right. Well, Father, we, we ask that as we open your word, as we attend to your word this morning, we believe wholeheartedly that this is your communication, that you have revealed yourself through this word, that this What we're about to read is not like any other book. It's not like any other ideas that this is from our creator. He who formed the universe and all of us in it. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us understanding, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and illuminate our understanding to see you, to understand this text and what we should do and how we should live in light of it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 
Amen. All right, my friend. Here we go, starting in verse one. And he, Jesus, left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. All righty. You know, one of the things that when we come to a text like this, as is our, our, our practice here, we're going to wrestle with, make sure we understand what this says. Do we understand all the nuances? What's, what's happening here? What's, what's some of the cultural context? Uh, then we are going to wrestle with what does this mean? Primarily, those that are present, what does this mean to them? What is the actual meaning of Jesus's teaching in this passage? And then we're going to wrestle with significance. We need to wrestle with, okay, if, if this is what it says and this is what the text means, why is this significant to us as we read it? As two followers of Christ, as two brothers in Christ, what does this mean for us? And uh, it's a sensitive topic. You know, you look at the statistics, the divorce rates in our country today, there is a virtually no distinction between believers and non-believers in the divorce rate that occurs. So you think about a sensitive subject, this is it. You think about another cultural sensitivity, there's a lot of debate over what marriage is. There's a lot of debate over gender. There's a lot of, so here we are, we're stepping right in the middle of it, and I couldn't think of a better guy to step in it with than you. So oh, here thanks, we go, buddy. brother. Well, the good thing about <laughs> everything you just said the good thing is that we don't have to like it or dislike it or have our own subjective truth about it. We're reading what God's word says. Amen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to align ourselves with it, not to align it with our lives. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let's jump in here. What are some things that you think kind of stick out that that needs some explaining or we just don't need to understand what this is saying. I guess we start with the Pharisees and their, um, one of their many attempts to quote unquote test him. And so you kind of get this, this picture of them kind of circled up and huddled up together. Like, Oh, I got a, I got a great one. What if we ask him about divorce? That'll be a great one. We could right. surely make him stumble with this. Which indicates, so yeah, the scene is he, 
he's gone from one place of teaching. He comes to another place. There's this crowd gathered. So it says, as was his practice, he, they gather to him, so he teaches. And in the midst of this gathering, there's going to be people that sincerely want to receive his teaching. There's probably people that have gathered that are just kind of curious. What does he have to say? We've heard some, we've heard about him. He's now somewhat popular and notable. And then there's those that are opposed to him that are not neutral, that want to see his downfall. And so that's what's highlighted here in this, that he is engaging with the opposition. But what's just powerful is that as he engages with opposition, he's teaching everybody. Right. So it's an opportunity to do exactly what he intends to do. It's not actually their agenda, but he's going to take opportunity to do exactly what he wants. But yeah, so there's a crowd gathered. And it was clearly controversial at that time as well. So when we we talk about today's kind of elements around this idea of marriage and divorce, there was clearly some sort of uh, tension there or else this wouldn't have been a controversial topic for them to bring up. So I think that's interesting to note. There's another hidden controversy in here. It's not as big as the other controversies, but it is there when it, in verse seven, where he says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. And that's interesting right there. You know, it's interesting in the idea that, um, that's still relevant today hmm. that we believe at a certain age, a man should leave his house. He should yeah. leave his mother and father and start his own family. Mm-hmm. And, we could look just to that verse seven for um, for a lot of answers to people that say, "What should what should I do? My my son is forty and he's still living in the basement. <laughs> he's <laughs> you know? still living in the basement, gaming well, we go, all day. Well, you know what we you do? You know what Jesus said, hmm. and so we could go right here to verse seven. So that's that's not often talked about, but that is could be a controversy in different households. Yeah, and and what Jesus is doing is alluding to and then directly connecting to the natural order of creation. He's referencing Genesis 1, 27, where there is this prescription about a man leaving his mother mother and father and clinging to his wife. So this goes all the way back to the beginning, how God designed it from the get-go. So yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up. There is a reference to the law. Um, and so their goal is to, to try and get him to misstep regarding the Mosaic law. If they can get him to misstep there, Mm -hmm. then they can, Mm -hmm. they can either discredit him as a teacher or a leader or a rabbi, maybe, you know, find grounds for arrest, imprisonment, death, or, so we don't know exactly their motives other than uh, they want to test him. Maybe they're sincerely like, hey, we just want to see where you're at on this. But it's unlikely at this point that it was as benign as that. They're trying to test him in order to get him to fail. The test is they want to set up a test that's against him. So they bring up in their minds what's a no-win situation. There's no way he can win here. Either because they don't really know the answer either. <laughs> yeah, they don't know the answer, and they're pretty sure <laughs> he's going to mess up 
in the in the court of public opinion or in the actual court of the Mosaic Law. Right. So, all righty. What else do we need to see here? Um, yeah, there's, well, a, what is there's your, an illusion. Go ahead. What's your take on the on the one flesh? Um, I think that there's a there's a sense that well, that's referencing again an Old Testament um, concept that there's a consummation of the marriage that happens through the physical, um, you know, consummation. But there's this idea that there is now not two units, but one unit. That if you become one flesh, you become one entity, then to tear that apart would would be to cause death. Right? If you're right. you're not going to then separate something that's become one in flesh or one entity, which is what they're saying there. There's a bond or a unity that occurs. How about you? Yeah, I, I totally agree. There is a there's an undertone here of the Sermon on the Mount um, in, 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 with the idea that we cannot perform the law perfectly as humans. So there, there is no loophole to perfectly execute the law. And if you want to have eternal life, you must execute the law perfectly. And so Jesus is continually showing us that there is no loophole. You either complete the law, you finish the law perfectly, or you do not gain eternal life with the Father. And then we learn through his teachings that he has provided a way. Mm -hmm. And so there is an undertone of that in here with, did you know whoever divorces his wife, marries another, commits adultery, and then we know that no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of heaven. So yeah. he opens, he, he, he points out that there's no loophole and then he closes the door. Mm-hmm. And I think that some people can, can really make divorce the issue, but I want to, I want to challenge anybody who comes to a text like this and, and, really hunkers down on trying to find a way in which they can rationalize divorce or excuse divorce or make it okay. What I want to do is highlight marriage, that one of the things that God is up to in marriage, and we see this in Ephesians 5, where Paul is is teaching that marriage is really this representation of Christ and his bride, the church, and the relationship that exists there. And it's not one of those scenarios where God's looking around and going, okay, I need a good analogy for my relationship with uh, creation, with with humanity. Uh, oh, there's marriage over there. No, but to realize that before the foundations of the earth, he designed this whole thing with marriage as a way to embody his relationship with his people. And the image bearing that happens in Genesis 1, which Christ is referring to here, that there is this image bearing that we as humanity 
that's part of our job. That's part of why we were created was to bear his image. And it's done so in the marriage union to become one flesh. There's a, a unity in the one fleshness. There's a diversity in that it's two people. And so mm-hmm. there's the there's a example of the Trinity right in front of us when we think about marriage, two and one, unity, diversity. And that the that throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament, we see God's opinion about how how that union is to to remain steadfast against any opposition. You see him because it's is he's demonstrating that he will be a faithful bridegroom to his bride always. Let me write that down. Mark 10 verse seven and eight unity and diversity example of trinity that's that's beautiful chad that's well that's what's going on like like you think about the old testament like we oftentimes in our culture we're looking for ways out of marriage like it's interesting that a lot of times people are looking to find the loopholes as you said is there a way out can is there an escape clause here and you just think about Go read the book of Hosea. In the book of Hosea, you've got uh, Hosea is a prophet of God, and his whole assignment for his life is that he is to marry this woman, Gomer. And she is a prostitute, and she is going to repeatedly be unfaithful to Hosea. She's going to actually pay men to sleep with her, not just get paid for it, but pay men. And she's going to continue this practice. And God's charge to Hosea is stay faithful to her, love her, take her back time and again. And you're like, whoa, first of all, I'm glad that wasn't my assignment. That would have been really tough. Right. But that one of the things that that demonstrates is the faithfulness of God towards his people and it also is a demonstration of this is this is how serious God is about marriage. Now, I don't want to say that if you're in an abusive relationship, stay in an abusive relationship. I think there are avenues through which you can protect yourself and find safety away from that. But there is a high bar here when we think about anyone who's considering marriage, you really need to count the cost because yeah. God's very intentional about it. All right. So that was That's my great. little soapbox um, about marriage. I get to, I have the, the privilege of as a pastor to walk through premarital counseling, marriage counseling, talking with people. And it's one thing when you're in the, the, the the throes of that kind of love and affection and infatuation that you have at the beginning of a relationship, but that will inevitably wear off. And then life happens in a marriage and you've got, it's got to be more than how the, the special feeling you have inside. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to truly understand you're now in the office of a marriage that is meant and designed to show God to the world. That is your ministry as a married couple is living in a way with each other so that people see God, the triune 
unified, diversified God. Man, that is, that is great. That is really good stuff, Chad. Um, I love the the unity in diversity, or you could flip it and say the diversity in within the unity. Yep. Uh, that yep. that's a that that's beautiful, and I I had not seen that before in Mark ten. Um, but it's it's just like we said at the beginning of this podcast that that we do see the Trinity from cover to cover of this book. Yeah, we see it from Genesis to Revelation, and marriage is um, is just a beautiful representation of that unity. Amen. Okay, so they try to get him tripped up here. They ask him their question about divorce. He then turns it on them. They're like, is a lawful full man, a man to divorce his wife? Verse two, then verse three. Well, what did Moses command you? So now, now he's in the driver's seat <laughs> and now they're on the, they're being tested, which is just interesting. And they said, well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. So they're like, okay, so Moses made a provision. What do you, what do you think? And he then explains, well, here's why Moses wrote that because of sin. So divorce is certainly not God's design. And that's what he points to. He says, from the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. And it's also a point of controversy. God made them male and female. Yeah. They didn't get a pick. What a great um, demonstration of evangelism here to to answer a question with a question, mm. a very provoking question. Um, and we could all learn from that instead of yeah. just dumping information yeah. instead of a wild goose chase of the scriptures. And here's this, here's this, here's this to, to answer, to prove I'm right with your answer or your question. Instead, we respond with another question. That's even more thought provoking. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful demonstration what Jesus does continually through the Gospels. Amen. Amen. All right. So he then kind of makes this pronouncement about from the beginning, here's how God made them male and female, male and female. And a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer one or two, but one flesh. Therefore, God is joined together. Let no man separate. So there is also this sense in which God makes them. God has determined what marriage is. Man hasn't determined that. It's not a human invention. God made it. And so he gets to set the parameters. He made us, male and female. We don't get to decide that. Those are the parameters set by God. He made a union that exists between one man, one woman. He defines and is the one who set up marriage in the first place. And therefore, he has determined it is a lifelong bond. If God has brought two people together, so myself and and Shannon, you and Amber, God has brought our marriages into play, and so we don't get to take those apart. We've been unified by the Lord. And so then there's this kind of, it doesn't say that they transition, but we see that this scene spills into like this private uh, conversation with the disciples themselves. So there's this public thing, and Jesus just kind of says his piece. We don't get to see how the 
the Pharisees respond. We don't get to see how the crowd responds. He just kind of drops the mic at that point. And now it's like cut to the next scene. And now they're like, hey, Jesus, they're like in somebody's living room. What was that all about? Mm-hmm. What's What do you mean? What's What's going on here? So it must have been something where they're like, wait, hold up. Moses said we could dis- divorce. You're saying we can't? And he's like, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Okay. Mic drop. Mic drop. Enough said. Like he's like, (laughs) I I, want to make it clear. This is what we're talking about here. And uh, that was heavy then. And it may not be heavy because of the topic of divorce. It may have been heavy because that now is a, what they thought was a provision given by the Mosaic law is not a provision. And yet Jesus says, I didn't come to change the law. I didn't come to abolish the law. So somehow in Jesus's teaching, there's an authoritative clarification that occurs. And that this provision is is one that's that's born out of a necessity because of hardness of heart and sinful behavior, not because of God's desire. Because we understand his law is perfect. Not because there's some imperfection in what God originally set up, but that provision was made because of human sin and frailty in the first place. Yeah, and we've not talked a- before on this podcast about hardness of heart. Yeah. This is not the first time we've seen it in this book. And we, we see it throughout the Bible, but it's not the, even the first time in the book of Mark that we mm-hmm. see because of your hardness of heart. Yeah. So we see with this scene, one thing that, that I, I have to believe was occurring in that scene is a even though it doesn't say it, it says it elsewhere that when Jesus was teaching, oftentimes the response was, wow, he teaches as one who has authority, as one with authority, not like the scribes who are simply repeating somebody else's teaching. But this is his teaching. And I, I would have to think that they're going, this is authoritative. One, because there's he's he's correcting some assumptions they had based on Moses's provision the Mo, or the provision that Moses gave because of their sin. But so there's a demonstration of Christ's authority as he's being tested. He passes the test. He challenges the Pharisees and their assumptions. And he also reveals that they don't really understand the law either, <laughs> but yeah. that he gives clarity. Um, what do you think, is now this kind of, how does this hit the various people that are present when he's teaching publicly here? Well, I think one thing that they're thinking is, well, teacher, what do we do? Now, what do we do? And he's, he's kind of, Jesus teased that up a lot. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll tee it up where you could think, well, I guess I'm doomed. I guess there's no hope for us because I've already messed this up. 
I've already failed the law. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought I was doing okay. I was given a provision of divorce, but, and I, now I'm remarried. It was abusive or it was, it was loveless or whatever it might be. So I thought I was doing okay, but now me or my brother or my friends or all of us are now, we're now breaking the law. And so you're just left with this, well, what do I do? I have, there is no hope, I guess. Yeah. And I think that that moves right into how we can respond to the text. And I think in today's reading of it, anyone who is a believer today and reads this and is in that spot you just articulated saying, what do I do? I'm divorced. What do I do? I've been divorced. What do I do? I not only have been divorced, but I remarried. Yeah. So I've, I've messed it up. Reality is all have fall sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yes. So that to a certain degree, it's like, yes, if you didn't mess this up, it's something else. We've all messed up. No one is without sin. No one is, is unable to relate to the brokenness that, that Christ is revealing is true of humanity. But he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. Yes. And so this isn't a passage to cause despair. It's a passage to go, wow. We understand God's standard for marriage. And whether we have or those around us have fallen short of that standard, that's just a reminder of still that's the standard. That's what we're pursuing. That's what we desire. And we're only able and capable of doing that in the power of the Spirit of God. It's only when Christ redeems us that we're capable of pursuing that. Yes. What is incredible about this book throughout the ages is that the book itself always has a resolution to every question you have. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're new, maybe you're new to this podcast, maybe you stumbled upon this podcast, maybe you're new to reading the Bible, maybe you are a, um, like I used to be a devotional junkie, as I, li- mm-hmm. I like to say, and you're reading things in, in different blocks and leaving it alone. Well, if you just read Mark 10, 1 through 12, you will realize that by the end of it, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. At some capacity, you're in trouble. So my answer to you and your answer, Chad, is keep reading. Mm-hmm. There is a resolution in here, and yeah. so so this should this should motivate you to go. I got to keep going. I got to find out. Got to find out what happens to these people because I feel a relationship to them. Because I feel yep. them. I feel their questions. It's legitimate. So I got to keep going. And as yeah. you keep going in the Bible and you keep turning pages, there's the resolution over and over there's what we do there's the hope yeah and that's the beautiful thing about it there's a there's a lot of books a lot of religious books out Mm -hmm. there that kind of leave things open-ended with no resolution and you feel just trapped in your sin you feel trapped in your your necessity to do works to keep building up like a santa claus checklist of good and naughty list Mm -hmm. and that's just not the case. Jesus is going to continually tell us that we are only naughty. (laughs) There is no good. There's no good that we could do except the resolution he gives us through him. 
Yeah. And that's, that is just a, an amazing thing. It's, it's the greatest news on the planet. Amen. I mean, it goes back to what you said when we started this episode, that as you read, you're looking for Jesus. You're looking to always find Jesus in the text, find clarity about him. And so even in passages like this, as we read the text, you said it's going to reveal pretty much every time that there's some avenue or area of brokenness that it's going to reveal our sin to us, but not to despair, because that should cause us then to look for Jesus and go, you are my hope. Yeah. Thank, praise be to God that I'm in you and that it's not dependent upon my ability to live according to the law, to fulfill the law, because you have. I have, have no ability to do it. I need you. So it should, every time, prompt us not to despair, but to our Savior. Yeah. Every time. Amen. Amen. And so if you're reading the Bible and you're not offended on a regular basis, maybe you're not reading it like fully. Because, man, when I read this thing, I'm like... As much as I'd love to, to, to be able to resonate with the hero in the story, I realize Jesus is the hero, and I'm the one that needs the hero. I'm the one that needs the saving. And so, man, it's every time I, I'm on my knees and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. That Amen. This is real. This is true. So, Amen. Uh, takeaways, how do you, how do you walk, how do you go and, and be a husband to your wife, a father to your kids, a brother, a boss, how do you live in light of this truth today? Well, it's part of this is just a, a continual surrender to our mm-hmm. savior, a, a, a surrender that we could find through all these pages here where we are realizing that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, like you said, and that we are hopeless creatures. I have a, a almost 13 month old little boy here in the house. You could see already that he's a little sinner. Mm. We joke, Amber and I joke about it all the time. He, he disobeys. He throws food across the table. He is, he is completely, um, self-indulging. It's whatever he wants right now. And you could see that from at birth. We don't grow into sin. We don't learn sin. We're not, we're not adopted into sin as we get older and, and are affected by the world or influenced by the world. We are sin from the beginning. We are born with it as soon as we come out of the womb. And so we are, we, from the get-go, we have no hope to become righteous or to gain righteousness. The beauty of the gospel is we are credited righteousness Mm. when we didn't deserve it through Christ living in us. And so that's the only way to be a husband and a father is to realize as the tax collector said, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm. And through that mercy and through us reading the gospel and realizing that God has pursued us so relentlessly out of love that he killed his only son for a sinner like me, for a wretched Mm -hmm. sinner like me. He relentlessly has pursued me 
so much that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That is, that is mind-blowing if you just unpack it a little bit in your mind and you just sit down with that and meditate on that idea that God demonstrates his love for us while we were yet sinners. It's easy, mm-hmm. to, it's easy to love someone that loves you or that's yeah. good. What's difficult is to love someone so much that is a rebel against you. Mm-hmm. And so that, all that, when you unpack that, it leaves us with one, with one thought. I am loved. I am mm-hmm. loved and, and, and I will do everything in my power to, to praise you, God, the glory of you. I am loved when I shouldn't have been. Amen. And this Mark 10 shows us that we shouldn't have been. Yeah. We shouldn't have been. You guys messed up because and of your hardness you, of heart. Yes. And it shows you that if marriage is a demonstration and a picture of God's love for his people, and he says there's no provision, there's no true provision for divorce, that means that there's no escape clause for him. He's trying to show mm. you the level of his covenant love for his people. And so as his people, he's not going to divorce us. He will remain faithful in his commitment to us at all times. So for those who are in Christ Jesus, we have an assurance. And we know that he is never going to leave us nor forsake us. And that, you can take that to the bank every time. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, Granger, thank you for, for being here, brother. Of course. I feel like I do enjoy it when you're physically present, but man, if, if I can get just a little Granger Smith, I'm better off for it. <laughs> That's how I feel Love about me, brother. you. <laughs> Love you, man. Okay, well, it's soon, soon we've got to try to do this live again, but uh, be blessed, brother. Thank you so much. If you are uh, tuning into this podcast for the first time, uh, I'm Pastor Chad. This is Granger Smith. We are two guys that believe wholeheartedly that Uh, Jesus is, in fact, God, that he came physically. He really did come, walk this earth perfectly. He died, he rose again, and that we have new life in him. And we take and we read this Bible because we believe it to be true. And so if you've stumbled on this podcast and you're like, I don't know any Christians and what are they talking about? Well, hey, this is a great opportunity for you to just watch two people who actually believe this stuff, wrestle with it. And, and try to figure out how do we live in light of this. Uh, if you are tuning in this podcast and, and you're just wondering, okay, they have something, I don't, I don't quite, it's not quite connecting, then I would encourage you, take and read the Bible for yourself. Talk to the Lord, pray. It's simply just saying, God, I acknowledge you, help me understand, help me see. But ultimately, we pray that you would realize your need for Christ and that he is there and he is pursuing you as Granger said, and that he desperately desires that you would find your, your fullness in your life in him and him alone, that only he can satisfy. That so many times we're pursuing other things to kind of give us a sense of identity, meaning, uh, fulfillment, and ultimately we'll find that that comes through him and him alone. And so 
If you have questions or comments about anything we talked about here, you can email me, takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question for Granger, you can email me there, and I will be sure to bring it up with him. Uh, yeah, you can find Granger at... Granger Smith on all platforms. All platforms. Just Google the guy. You'll find him. You listen to his music, listen to his podcast. It's awesome. Uh, but uh, so glad for you uh, to uh, tune in today. Thank you so much, Granger, for being here. And just want to encourage everyone out there to go take and read the Word of God. Blessings. Blessings.